Hey, what's up, guys? This is Brad. This is Miles. And welcome to the house. What's up, everybody? So we're going to go ahead and uh, get started today. We want to thank everybody for coming out to the house podcast and um, listening to us talk about sports. So, as you guys know, my name is Brad Thomas. I am Miles Markowitz. This is my first time in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and I got to say I'm having a blast so far. Brad, thanks for uh, inviting me up here to uh, check out some uh, Alabama football today. Miles, you know, I'm super stoked that you're here. I'm glad that you are uh, turning into an Alabama fan. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so, so, okay, driving into Tuscaloosa, yeah. going to the campus, what, what was your initial thought? I really didn't get the feeling until I saw Brian Denny in the, you know, the distance. That's when I really got the feeling that I was here. Uh, that uh, I was in SEC territory, I was in Alabama country, started seeing the buildings, the signs. I just love going to uh, different stadiums, uh, different schools, different atmospheres, uh, and checking out the culture. Okay, so we're slowly converting you. I know you're going to deny it. The biggest storyline of this entire spring game was a QB battle. We know that Tua was shelved with a a hand injury, but Jalen was on the field what were your initial thoughts? Yeah, so I was a little disappointed because I was really looking forward to a back-and-forth battle here between Tua and Jalen. It was such a uh, dramatic uh, national title game. Uh, but with Jalen today, I think the first thing that I noticed uh, with him was how tentative he was in the pocket. I, I, I felt like he, he kept dropping back, and he just couldn't find what he was looking for with, with his receivers. So either his receivers weren't making the right moves, or he wasn't going through his progressions. He wasn't letting the ball go. Do you think... Do you think it was because he was playing against the number one defense or he was scared? What, what ways – because, all right, he's been in this system for two years now. He, yeah. There's no excuse why he, he can't read through the progressions. He's a, he's a quarterback at the number one team in the nation. Do you think he was scared? Too much pressure? I thought it was an interesting point that you brought up. I remember in the middle of the game you said to me, well, keep in mind that he's playing the number one defense in the country. And I understand that. But at the same time – this was a simulated scrimmage matchup where I feel like those those that in-game talent where you're facing the number one cornerbacks in the country, it wasn't really that situation. But also, I thought that Kirk Herbstreit made a really good point, whereas you got to keep in mind with these spring games that they don't have their offensive linemen that they might not have on the first game. That either. is very true, and especially a spring game doesn't play into an athletic running quarterback style because the explosive moves he's making is outside of the pocket. He's making plays with his feet. With that being said, I was highly disappointed in the throws he made, his, the lack of confidence in the throws that he didn't make. That one throw that he outthrew the guy by four yards, he was wide open. He, if he just floats the ball up there and he's within two yards, the guy runs under and it's a touchdown. I just JT Barrett had the same problem at Ohio State his last two years. I just want to see a quarterback who is confident in his ability to fit the ball in the tight window. And I feel like that Jalen has almost lost that. We know uh, that he has the record of 26-2 and two as a starter. We know that he can win football games. We know he doesn't turn the ball over. So we know what Jalen Hurts brings to the table. But at the same time, let's just go to the national championship game for a second. Okay. Okay, because I remember when I was uh, watching that game and I saw that this freshman kid was coming in, Tua. After I, I, I did text you, right? And told After you, you it's had Tua texted time, me, right? Tua time. I, I called Nick Saban during the halftime and said, you need to put yeah, Tua in. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I said to my friend sitting next to me, if this works out for Nick Saban, he is the greatest college football coach that we have ever seen. The fact that he rolled the dice with Tua says a lot, right? Because he knew in that moment that Jalen Hurts was not going to get it done. Of course. And I think that was something leading up, weeks leading into that game where he knew Jalen Hurts wasn't the answer because you, you just got to call a spade a spade. You are not going to win championships if you're not coming to play to win. And what does it do to a guy's confidence? What does it do to the confidence of your starter who you've been riding for two years that you pulled him in the most important game of the year yeah. at halftime? It's, it's easy to say Jalen's shook. He's 100% shook. He's scared, doesn't want to make any want to make any mistakes. And I, I, say, I said it once and I'll say it again. This is the most pressure by any quarterback in the history of a spring game because not only is he in a quarterback battle, he's in a quarterback battle with a guy who's not even on the field. Yeah, and perfection is expected from him. Yes. Um, absolutely, like from here on out. Uh, his dad's comments about him transferring, I know isn't helping with the psyche. It's not helping with the relationship with Nick Saban. Um, things seem shaky, and he really just didn't seem here today. Yeah, he, um, okay. I, I'm a huge Jalen fan. I'm wearing the Jalen Hurts shirt, and I was rooting for him. But before we started 
you know, before we decided we were going to talk about the, Q the QB battle, I did some digging, and I realized Jalen Hurts actually wasn't all that to start off with. He, he kind of regressed. He, he struggled in big games. You look at the national championship la uh, year before last, he went 13 for 31, 131 yards, one passing touchdown. He did rush for an, abs an absurd amount of yards, but he even looked shook in that game. And then you go back to the national championship yards where he couldn't even eclipse 30 yards throwing three for eight. Like, yeah. it's, it's and, terrible. And I did want to talk about his moves running outside of the pocket today, yeah. I think he's got some of the best athleticism at the quarterback position in the entire country. I 100%. think there's no denying that. The moves that he makes out of the pocket when he decides to go yeah. is something that you can't teach. Now, I'm glad that you brought up the stats. Last year, Jalen Hurts only had one game with more than 15 completions. Yeah. And that was against Clemson in the college football playoff. He only had two games last year with over 200 passing yards. That's what he brings to the table. He is, he is not... The answer. And, and it, the hardest problem, what, what hurts to me for Jalen Hurts is I'm looking at his receivers because you look at Ardarius Stewart, right? When he when Ardarius Stewart was in his, in his last year with Alabama and he had Jalen Hurts as his quarterback, he was getting frustrated because he wasn't getting the ball. Now you had Calvin Ridley who's not getting the ball with precision or pretty much at all, which everyone knows Calvin Ridley is a great receiver. But when you start looking at Smith and you're looking at Judy, when it comes time for them to, to declare, they're only basing off of – Potential. They're not basing it off of production because you're gonna have a guy like Jalen Hurts. So that's an, also another battle that he's fighting with his receivers. And do you think it's because? Do you think he's he's scared not only to make mistakes, but he doesn't trust his team against the defense? Well, now more than ever, he's afraid to make mistakes with the football. And let's not forget that the philosophy of Alabama football was never centered around the quarterback, right? Yeah. I mean, can can we agree? Can they we agree never that? had one. Okay, never is a, a loaded statement. They they. Have had very few great quarterbacks. And in, 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 in the Nick Saban era, it's usually just the quarterback that's there to get the job done. It's yeah, not, like I mean, Jake Coker. Yeah, sure. I think Coker's a great example. Tua could be different. Yes. Right? So the question is whether or not Saban is ready to hand the reins to somebody. who. Because let's, let's talk about Tua for a second. Now. Yeah. All right? And I know that we've talked about this place since the national title game. We know that Tua has more talent. Yeah. And that he has the confidence to throw the ball into those tight windows. 100%. But we know he's going to make more, more mistakes. He, that, that's what really scares me, actually. And we know that, I mean, I, I can just see him. Here's the thing. Are, are Alabama fans ready to go through this growth process? Yeah. With Tua, because be, that's what it's going to be, and you know what's going to happen. The second Tua has one off game, they're going to be chanting for for Jalen. And us as Alabama fans, we cannot have our cake and eat it too. We are going to have to stick with Tua when Tua goes in and support him through his trials and tribulations, because there will be games when he has two or three interceptions, something that we're not used to seeing because Jalen doesn't have those games. He doesn't have multiple interception games. But in that, but in that same game, he could throw for three hundred yards and three touchdowns. I mean, yeah. that's what you're going to see. So that's going to be the difference. So it's it's whether or not you're ready to to go on that journey. I think that Saban is ready to make that transition because he knows that eventually two is going to be the one to win those big games for him. Yeah, definitely. And you, and you uh, I don't know if you listened to the interview on ESPN after, but um, Saban alluded to the fact that this is nothing new. It, since the beginning of spring, I mean, it stems from way before the beginning of spring, but it's nothing new. Jalen is not going through his progressions. Jalen is not trusting the scheme, the play design. Right. He's not throwing his receivers open. It's 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 nothing that just started. It's it's he's not growing, and he and I think he's afraid to grow. He's not confident. But let's let's uh, one last thing before we move on here. Let's let's go into next season. Okay. Okay. Let's assume that uh, Tua and Jalen are are both here. Yes. Jalen did not transfer, but Tua wins the starting job. I feel like this is a very similar situation uh, from when Cardell Jones, as a third-string quarterback, won the national title for Ohio State, and we had to make the decision whether or not to go back to JT Barrett, yeah. who got the starting job, Cardell, the one who won the national championship. Yep. So in this situation, it's not over for Jalen because what we have from Tua is still such a small sample size. It definitely un agree. I mean, I definitely agree. And what I'm afraid of, if Jalen transfers, now we have – okay – before this game, I would say I was more afraid, but Mac Jones showed that he he can light it up. Yeah. But we have Mac Jones waiting in wings, which is something I'm not confident if Tua goes down and Jalen transfers. Yeah, and that was another interesting point that you brought up during the game today is if Jalen does transfer and we do see a Tua injury, what then? Yeah, it's going to be total madness, and Alabama fans are wishing they didn't shoo him away. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, keep our talk uh, with the SEC here, Brad. We haven't really done a, a deep dive into any conferences yet. Uh, we've done a lot of uh, two early top 10s and two early top 25s, things like that. But let, let's go ahead and talk about the SEC. Uh, do you want to start with the East? Yeah, let's start with the East. And 
I was trying so hard not to be very, very cliche, but I'm just looking at the schedule. I'm looking at the strength of the team. I know that players, that Chubb and Michelle are both gone from Georgia, but I think Georgia is going to destroy the East. I mean, I'm looking at games that they're playing. They, they get, they have what, one tough road game where they play at LSU. They play, they, they, have, they play Auburn at home. Yeah. They play Florida in neutral site. They play Missouri. Who cares? You know, South Carolina is their tough road game, in my opinion. We're both going to agree on this one. I've got Georgia winning the division by two games. Oh, yeah. But I think that the most important storyline here in the East is, number one, by the way, the SEC suffered the most coaching turnover of any Power 5 conference this year. So a lot of interesting storylines, but especially in the East. We have a lot of teams on the rise. Will Muschamp is proving me wrong because I think he's really got South Carolina moving in the right direction. Dan Mullen of Florida is going to do a lot of special things. Florida won back-to-back SEC East titles under Jim McElwain, who I don't think is a very good coach. Before before you go too much further into Florida, I'm just going to tell you, I am not a big fan of Emory right now. Um, I think Florida Fair. this year might win five or six games. I don't put too many more in their belt for them. I think that, they, that they've had the defense for so long, and they just need that offensive-minded coach to come in and right the ship. And I feel like that Dan Mullen will do that in time. Whether or not Emory Jones is a starter or Felipe Franks wins the job, um, that's just an example of what's happening in this division. It's going to get much more competitive. And yeah. I think that as soon as next year, Florida and Georgia are going to uh, be deciding this division. So you don't think – you're not putting any stock into Missouri? Okay, so – well, first of all, Missouri's got coaching turnover. Missouri's got coaching turnover, okay. yes. But with with – Probably the best quarterback, the, the best. I know, man. The best quarterback in this conference, arguably. The defense is just not there. It, I mean, it's not. It's they ranked twelfth in the SEC in, in yards allowed last year, and especially in the SEC. If we're talking about the Big Twelve, you know how I feel about the Big Twelve. If we're talking about that, then that's fine. But in the SEC, it's really difficult to turn that around, especially in such a short amount of time. I still think they have a lot of work to do. So I was, I was looking. Okay, I was looking at the games that they have to play, and I, I ranked them between likely losses, okay. relative toss-ups, and likely wins. So if you look at Missouri's schedule, it, let's just call a spade a spade. Georgia and Alabama are going to clobber Missouri. Yes. Uh, I mean, I yeah, think I they play at Alabama. They play Georgia at home, but I just think Georgia's a much better program, much better team than them. Now, now toss-ups. Tennessee, I think they're going to win. Arkansas, I think they're going to win. Memphis, I think they're going to win. Purdue, that's a tough one because one. they're at Purdue. Yeah. Um, South Carolina, another toss-up. Florida. So if they win, if they win the majority of those games, now they have three or four losses, right? Okay. Easy wins, in my opinion. Uh, they play UT Martin, Wyoming, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky. I think that their schedule sets up perfectly for them to to, to be a four loss team, a three loss team, and I, I think Florida is going to win way more. Is going to lose way more than three or four games. Okay, I am a lot higher on Florida than you are. Uh, and and are we talking about this is like a bid for second place, right? Like, oh, bid for second. Are, are I, I think the, Georgia the is so team? far ahead of all these other teams in the right East now. that they don't Absolutely. stand a chance. Yeah. My pick to finish second in the SEC East this year is a repeat. Uh, I've got South Carolina uh, taking that spot again. Also, with Missouri, I just don't think that they are going to beat Florida, Georgia, or South Carolina. So I've got three losses for them in, in the SEC already right there. they, they, they got to play Alabama. In Alabama. So for at me, Tennessee. That, that's four losses. T- Tennessee, I, I feel like anybody can beat right now. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying any road game in the SEC is a tough game. That, that's all I'm saying. But I, I just – I'm not – who, okay, who's your quarterback for Florida? Uh, you're going with Franks or Jones? Honestly, I think Felipe Franks is going to win the job. I, I think that Jones might eventually be the quarterback Unless this year. Unless Franks has had the best offseason, Florida's going to be trash again. Even under a new uh, offensive scheme, though. I mean, I, yeah, I, I just think... I've watched enough... I think trash I've, is a strong word. I've watched... I mean, five, five wins is trash. And I think yeah, it's going to be around that five or six win mark. Okay. And it might be one of those situations where they start yelling for uh, Jones if Frank starts. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that we're definitely going to see a transition in, into Emory Jones this year because I don't think that they have a lot of other options. But if we're talking about quarterbacks, I'm going to talk about Jake Bentley for South Carolina. I do. I, I have that written down. I wanted yeah. to hear you talk about no, it. No, if we're, if we're talking about a quarterback that is really moving in the right direction, that that is it right there in South Carolina. And, and once again, just the work that Muschamp and his staff have done there, uh, already winning nine games last year. Yeah. They haven't won ten games since Steve Spurrier was the coach. Uh, so I think that South Carolina is set up for immediate success right now. Yeah, I think South Carolina, they were my tied for second um, solely because of Jake Bentley. And I just think that it's funny with all these coaching changes, uh, Muschamp can just wiggle his way into the second place spot easily. Definitely. 
Uh, what is uh, what are your thoughts on the hire of Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee uh, for for long term success? I think uh, Pruitt he'll bring in the recruits, but Pruitt if he was smart, he would have went outside the SEC. And I think he grabbed the first job that was available to him, and that might be my personal opinion because I, I think he could have stayed at Alabama. It's but also a very difficult job to turn down. Yeah. Oh yeah. Any SEC team, especially at Tennessee, great history, you know. And I think we can both agree Kentucky and Vanderbilt are still going to struggle. Uh, Kentucky with back-to-back bowl games, uh, but losing their quarterback Stephen Johnson. This yeah, year. I mean, the kid uh, they got, the kid, the kid coming into Kentucky is supposed to be a stud, but I, I'll believe it when I see it. Once you get into the lights of the SEC football, everything changes. And Stoops is doing a great job there of just riding the ship with six, seven wins a year, but we're probably going to see them at the bottom of the SEC uh, East. So let's uh, let's move over to the West, okay? Um, All right. I think. This is not even close. Regardless of who plays quarterback, whether it's Jalen Hurts or Tua, the running tandem of Damian Harris and Najee Harris with Brian Brian Robinson and Josh Jacobs, it, it's just too much going on in that backfield to worry about them losing too many games. And on top of that, I think that we're going to see a couple teams in the SEC West take a step back this year. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily like into losing seasons, but I'm talking about a team like Auburn, right? Jared Stidham is coming back, and he's bringing back his top five pass catchers. That's scary, especially when we're talking about, you have to admit, the uncertainty in the passing game for Alabama. It's scary to think about Jared Stidham coming back for a Heisman uh, season, yeah. possibly, bringing back his top five pass catchers, but they're losing four starters on the offensive line and replacing a ton of talent on defense. Yeah, and, and Auburn has very tough games this year because, you know, last year was their year to capitalize because they had the opportunity to play Alabama at home, Georgia at home. This year they got to play Mississippi on Mississippi State on the road, they got to play Georgia on the road and Alabama on the road, and even if they go two or three out of there, I think they're going to stumble somewhere else. Um, they play what Washington at the beginning of the year too. Yeah, so there's a lot. There's a lot going on in that schedule for me to confidently say that they're going to challenge for the SEC West. And I think that what you said hit it on the nose. Last season was their opportunity to capitalize, and they did. Yeah, it's going to be difficult for them to repeat that success. Uh, let's talk about Mississippi State for a second. Okay, with, 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 with Coach Joe Moorhead, big, 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 big hire for them. Yeah, that was a home mind. run hire if you if you're going to ask me. And I mean, I was. I was liking them last season. Mm-hmm. Well, they I mean, that game against Bama, getting out of the wire. Which I was at, and I was terrified. I was shaking, thinking we were going to lose. Nick Fitzgerald, uh, the real deal, he's got to come back healthy. Yes. And he's got to stay healthy the whole year. Um, Alabama does get that game at home. I've got that as uh, Alabama's toughest home game this year, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, definitely the toughest home game. Um, I just can't honestly put them ahead of Auburn, just because... I'm, I still think Stidham's a better quarterback. Stidham. Well, Stidham and, and just that entire passing attack. Yes. Stidham Absolutely. is the, the answer. I want to talk about Bama for a second because I do have uh, Alabama winning the SEC West this year um, and going to Atlanta uh, to play for the title. Okay. But we're still talking about that they have to replace their offensive and defensive coordinators. Okay. They have uncertainty well, at the quarterback well, position. Well, let's, let's take a, a step back because this is nothing new. Alabama is replacing coordinators that's, that's every single season. When you look at Kirby Smart departing, Pruitt departing, you're looking at Lane Kiffin departing. There's always someone departing from Alabama because that is, you know, you heard the saying, everybody hates Alabama until they need a coach. And no one does it better than Nick Saban as far as riding the ship. And yeah. Keep, and, know, and, and, okay, and, and with Loxley as their offensive coordinator hired, that, that, that's probably the, the closest thing they could have hired to what they were already doing. I told you today at the spring game, their offensive philosophy didn't change that much under Loxley. I, I'm going to miss the jet sweep series that um, Dabble was running, but it, it looks like pretty much the same old Alabama. And on the defensive side of the ball, everybody in the country better get used to hearing these names. Dylan Moses and Mac Wilson are going to be problems yes. for any offense that they play. It's going to be scary. Can we, can we just talk about this, Miles? I did not know. Tyrell Lewis was that big. <laughs> when I saw him, we were sitting on the sidelines, and I saw him, and I was like, oh, that is a massive human being. It really is It really is pretty incredible. I just want to talk for a second today uh, how close that we got to the field yeah. uh, for the spring game, and just seeing how big these guys are. These guys were massive. Yeah, so uh, when you talk about that Alabama is going to you know, be Alabama, that's what we're talking about on the defensive side of the ball. We do have uncertainty uh, with the quarterbacks, but it's like you said, no uncertainty at the running back position. No, not at all. I, I, Alabama's easily going to have two – Thousand yard running backs in Harris and Harris, <laughs> yep. rightfully so that they're both Harris's. I mean, they're running behind Lesser Cotton and um, 
Leatherwinter, who are great offensive linemen. Looking to the future for a second, let's talk about Jimbo Fisher. Okay. What does this mean for the SEC West now with arguably a top five college football coach now taking over the reins of Texas A&M? To be honest, man, I think it's going to be like playing uh, with like a Les Miles or uh, a Malzahn. It's just going to be we got to see who the top dog is going to be. It's okay. going to be a battle every single year. It's going to blur the lines a little bit. I'll just say, though, I wouldn't put Miles uh, or Malzahn in Jimbo Fisher's echelon. I feel like that Jimbo as a recruiter and that he's got he's, he's also got a national title. So I, I feel like he, that he's a step above those guys. Does uh, Malzahn have a national title? Oh, I guess Malzahn and Miles. Both, both have national titles. Yeah, that's true. So what separates it, the recruiting ability? I think that the recruiting ability, the classes that he had coming into Florida State, and the, and the stability, it was for what? Well, five years of success? Yeah. Um, you also got to imagine, he had a good thing at, at Florida State. Like you said, it's hard to turn out a job in the SEC, but now he is battling all these great recruiting programs in the SEC. There are... There is a magnitude of schools to go to if you're a football player. Yeah. What's to say that he's just going to take the reins of the re- as the recruiting guru in this conference? When the, you look at you in Alabama, you look at a Georgia who's up and coming with a great coach. Like Kirby Smart is a recruiting wizard, you know? Yeah. Guys who want to go play with Dan Mullen down in Florida. It's it's not just SEC, though. We're talking about Texas as well. I mean, yeah. he's, oh my God. he's got to uh, compete with Tom Herman at Texas. He's got yep. to compete with AM. He's got to compete with Baylor. He's got to compete. I mean, TCU. There's, uh, the, the list goes on. TCU, yeah. So. That's tough. It, it, it's kind of twofold at that at that point, but it's definitely a challenge that he's going to face head on. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And I also think that we're going to see we're we're not going to see instant success in him. I think that he's going to do exactly what someone did for a while and just have a couple eight win seasons. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, I think he'll find those uh, that footing. Uh, his skill positions are young, so he's got uh, freshman and sophomore all over the field. Yeah, it, it'll be that. It'll be that Texas A and M. You know, catches catches uh, one of these West big dogs sleeping. For the next couple of years, mm-hmm. where someone will get snapped off by an M, and they're like, "What happened?" It's just got out coached. It'll take some time for them to put their feet down, plant their seeds, and let them grow. But I think it will be just like it was before, where was, the lines were a little more blurred. Because like, if you look at it now, it, it's a pretty clear picture. Yeah. The teams of the West are, are Auburn and and uh, Alabama. Like that's yeah, that's pretty clear right now, at least for now. And. Let's talk about LSU for a second. Okay. I think that Ed Orgeron is going to struggle. I think that he's going to have the hottest seat of anybody in the country this year because I think that they're going to struggle to find an offense. Yeah, that's another team who can easily be a six-win team. And, and, I, and I would, I mean, when I say easily, I'm not saying like, uh, maybe. I, I'm like very, very confident that they'll be a six-win team. Uh, replacing guys. Okay, you know, this is what shows you how bad your, your coach is, right? You have one of the top, if not the top running back prospect. Mm-hmm. But he didn't do anything noteworthy at LSU. What do I mean noteworthy? I mean change the game, change the fold yeah. of the game. And that's that's solely on the coaching. Well, and we could uh, argue that Fournette did the same thing, at, at least in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, LSU was not brought to that next level. We knew how good Fournette was. Yeah, he got but, shut down in big games. And, 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 yeah. and that is nothing on Fournette because he, we see him in the NFL tearing uh, it up. He's a beast. But it's like you said, it's coaching. It's yeah. scheme. It, it, it's, and it's been a problem at LSU. It, 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 Les Miles wasn't the problem. It's... It's just an inability to find a scheme that works with these recruits. Yeah, definitely, 100%. He's on the hot seat. Um, I think he, he's probably solely on the hot seat by himself with as coaching in the SEC. So it'll be exciting to watch. For now, but yeah, because there's been so much turnover. Yeah. Uh, Malzahn, I feel like, is always on the hot seat, but I feel like after last year, I feel like he kind of proved to everybody that he's here to stay. Wait, I don't think Malzahn was really on the hot seat when they found out that he that he was – I don't even know if he was interested in, in Arkansas. Oh, Arkansas I, was I think interested he definitely in was. I think he definitely when, was When they found out that was happening, they're like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. you're not on the hot seat. T- t- do what you got to do. Right, exactly. I think he was definitely interested in that. And, and, and speaking of, we got Chad Morris uh, from SMU taking over at Arkansas. So this is interesting to me because we've talked about this before, Brad, in college football. It's yeah. It's a really big deal when you change your entire offensive philosophy. Yeah. And we've got Arkansas going from a – Power eye running game <laughs> to a air raid attack. How is that transition going to work? It's going to take uh, Chad Morris three years just to get his players. Yeah, of course. And um, I think Chad Morris is another great coach. I'm going to miss the smash mouth ball like the Derek McFadden's coming out of Arkansas, yeah. just running running the ball into the ground. It, 
it'll be fun to you know to transition, but yeah, they're so gonna take they're gonna take their their whoopings. Yeah, and uh, at the bottom of the division, and probably for a while, Ole Miss is just a mess right now. Man. Yeah, it's, Ole uh, Miss. They've, they've got a lot of things to figure out. Um, so I think it's gonna be a rough couple of years. Yeah, Ole Miss. Let's let's lose it. Let's let's equate them to a, a Baylor. They're yeah. They're gonna be down right. there at the bottom, getting stepped on for a while. Right. All right, so let's talk about Atlanta. Okay. It sounds like we both have the same two teams battling for the SEC title. Yes. In December, and this year that's going to be a how about a repeat of the national <laughs> title game, Alabama and Georgia. What do you think as far as records? All right. Do you think that we're going to see both of these teams go into this game undefeated? Do you think that we're going to see two one-loss teams? Do you think we're going to see a one and a two-loss team? I know I'm kind of putting putting you on the spot there, but I kind of wanted an, an idea of. It would be it would be um, asinine for me to honestly say they're going to be two undefeated SEC teams. Right. Battling. It's just so unlikely. Yeah, and um, I definitely I, don't get mad at me, Alabama fans, but I definitely see Alabama stumbling in a game just because of this whole controversy at quarterback. And and if you have a Tua coming in, you, there's a lot of pieces to replace. Like you got Diggs starting now, you got Savion Smith. That's new. You got Deontay Thompson. Although he played great, it's another new piece that you're that you're adding to the, to the fold. You know, um, you're replacing Deron Payne. There's a lot to replace. You're re- replacing Rashawn Evans. Like there, there's a lot going on. And one thing that I told you that is gonna break my heart is the weapon. The special teams weapon that we are losing, a man who could boot it over 50 yards on average, punting the ball, who has hang time out of this world. That is that is a big puzzle piece that we're going to miss. And, and there's going to be games when the field position, Alabama's defense is great, but it's also a great defense when they have good field position. When the field position is not there anymore because this new kicker, DeLong, is kicking it 40 yards, they're gonna the defense is going to get tired from having to protect the field so much. Yeah. It's a lot of change, uh, but we know if anybody can do it, it's Bama. Yeah. I, I, I have to agree with you here. I've got both teams losing at least one game in the regular season, yeah, so I I've too. got both of them going in 11-1. I, I do as well. And who do you have taken it? Okay, so I've kind of gone back and forth on this one. Yeah. But for me, the difference is going to be Alabama and their experience. Yeah. I don't see – oh, man. Here's the thing. If, if we also – let's just talk for a second because we didn't really talk about this. We need to talk about quarterback uncertainty in Georgia oh right? because they God. just had their spring game today, and this five-star recruit, uh, Fields – He looks he looks the part. Looks pretty good. He looks like a big-time player. Fromm looks a little shook, and and you know this. I told you all of last year and even going into the, uh, the, the title game, Fromm is not the answer. Yeah, Fromm is not the Fromm answer. Fromm is a stopgap. He relied heavily on that running game. Absolutely. And it's easy yeah. to play that way when you have great running backs. Yeah, I mean – Losing Michelle and Chubb, we know that they've got a lot of talent coming back. DeAndre Swift is going to be the real deal. Seven point eight uh, rushes per seven point eight yards per rush is yeah. a huge stat. But we're also going to see Fromm having to rely on his arm more, and I think it's going to get him in trouble. And I don't even think he's going to be the starting quarterback by the end of the year. No, no. And although the uh, the highlights, you, you can tell that um, the media paints a narrative; they create the story. Because if you look at statistically, Fromm didn't do that much worse, that bad compared to um, Fields or right. whatever his name is. But I think they highlighted like the quality of the throws, the quality, the, like. the placement, the yeah. the, the decisions. Yeah, it, it yeah. just looks Fromm looked shook. Like he looked like he knew his job was on the line. So that's what I'm going with, right? Okay, if if Georgia had more stability at quarterback, I would go Georgia all day. Yeah, because. But we're talking about two programs that, at least for the time being, have a little bit of uncertainty at the most important position in college football. And, you know, I think Saban, both teams are going to have to reload, retool and reload. Yeah, right. I think Saban's so used to having to retool and reload every year that, that will his team will be coming in like a well-oiled machine pretty soon. So, speaking of Alabama and Georgia, let's go ahead and, you know what we haven't talked about yet? Our Final Four. A uh, little too early uh, Final Four prediction. And this had my brain going. Okay, I'm going to tell you. So when we decided to do this, I put my hands over my head and I just was like, oh my God, I'm so stressed. Because I have my two teams that are locks. That's Alabama and Clemson. Oh, I will go into that later. Now, the rest is like, do I really think Ohio State's going to do it? I, I, Okay, Miles, if a team comes out of the Big Ten, I think it's Michigan State. But then to say Michigan State's going to finish as the fourth best team in the country is also a very big statement. I feel like I, uh, I have you on my side now for for Sparty. I mean, it's they're they're going to be the real deal. I didn't say I'm putting my top, my top four. 
No, no, no. I'm just saying to win the Big Ten. Oh, yes, 100%. Yeah. yeah but they can win the Big Ten with, but, with two or three losses. Right, but let's talk about that for a second, all right? Because then we're going to talk about a situation where the Big Ten is left out of a playoff two years in a row. And we could be talking about the best division in college football in the Big Ten East. And, but that's what happens when you're just beating each other up all year. But they didn't punish the SEC West for that. Fair, but... This is the best example of— On the of, contrary, sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But on the contrary, one year they put Alabama and LSU in the national championship game. They both came out of the same division. Yes. That's neither here nor there because we have moved to a totally new system. Yeah, you I can't gotcha. dwell on a different system. I'm just talking about I, overall bias. No, no. I'm—okay. You might say it's overall bias, but what happened to that one team that squeaked in over the Big, over the big Ten? What Ooh. happened ultimately? Who was the team that squeaked in? Alabama. And what happened? Well, I'm not arguing. They won the national championship. Right. So I, I, wasn't I arguing think that it, they that put it was the four that best teams in. Yeah, I, I think they did put the four best teams in last year. But I, I, I'm talking about moving forward. Is the Big Ten East going to be punished for being such a strong division? Yes. That's what, okay. If they don't have a That's clear leader at. who's at the, the – okay, definitely understand. Yeah. If they don't have a clear leader who's in the number – who's the, the in the top four best teams, okay. even record-wise, if they're tied records, they're going to be punished. And, and, and you know – it happened to the SEC East for a while, where when the SEC was flying high, SEC East with when Florida was was pretty good and Tennessee was pretty good. You know, they were out there just beating each other up. Yeah, I feel like Tennessee was never uh, at that uh, level, but Florida and Georgia, I feel like Florida, Georgia. Yeah. I, I I mean, Tennessee was solid, was solid enough to go out there and win eight or nine games, and that's what sure. I mean. I'm not mean competing competing for a national championship. But I'm just talking about at the Big Ten East last year, we have four teams that won ten games last year. Yeah, so it's just. It's just a lot of talent to consider. I know we're getting a little off track here, but I want to talk about the uh, you who you got at three and four. Uh, three and four. Because so. uh, Bama and Clemson are also locks for me. We can get to that later, but let's let's see who you got. Coming in at number three. Yeah. Every single bone in my body did not want to do this because, like, how clean freaking Shay is this that I have Georgia in there again? Are you okay. kidding me? But then I looked at Georgia's schedule, wow. and I'm like, Georgia can easily run the table and lose in the SEC championship. I just don't think that an 11 and 2 Georgia team, 11 and 2 because cuz cuz aren't you saying there that, that that they would go into the uh, SEC title game 12 and 0? Cuz I mean, they would have to be 12 and 0 and then lose. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm about saying I'm about saying two losses. Uh, okay, so I'm transitioning my SEC conversation to my not to my uh, final four. These are Two separate conversations to me. Okay. I'm not. That's fair. I'm not blending them because there's too many variables. If I'm just looking at which four teams I can put in there, off of based on their schedule, based on winability of their schedule, who has the best chances to to run the table and, and maybe stumble once and have those quality wins. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm putting Georgia in. And, and it was Georgia squeaking in. By skim his teeth again, an SEC team squeaking in over a Big Ten team. And in this in this situation, do you have a two-loss Big Ten champion or do you have a one-loss Big Ten champion? I have a two-loss Big Ten champion. Okay. Not a one-loss. But that that was me. That's what my whole thing about the schedule was, is I think that they can easily just beat each other up. The Big Ten is – there's so much parity in the Big Ten this year. I mean, look, even look at out for Nebraska. Like, oh, yeah. There's so much parity going on right yeah. now. And we will definitely talk about that here in a little bit. I, I have a lot to say there. But uh, who do you got uh, at number four? Number four, I don't know if I've been hanging out with you too much. I don't know if I've been jumping on the hype train. Go to Washington. The Huskies. There's so yes. coach coaching turnover. There's quarterback turnover. But guess who's sitting there with the same coach, bringing, getting a healthy quarterback back in uh, Murphy – they're getting – Gaskins came back. Browning is ready to go ahead and solidify his name as the best quarterback coming out this next year. I would be foolish. I'd be foolish not to put them in the top four. And I'll, I'll go ahead and interject here. I have Washington coming in at number three. Everyone needs to get on this hype train, all right, because let's talk about the Pac-12 for a second. Washington plays in the Pac-12 North. Yes. And we've talked about this before. That division is going to come down to Washington and Stanford. Arguably, but Washington has that game at home. Yeah. Now, the Pac-12 South is a complete mess. And as a whole, I feel like that, other than Washington, the talent level in the Pac-12, I feel like, is dipping over conferences like the Big Ten and the SEC. Now, also, like you said, Chris Peterson is one of the best coaches in the country. And I still don't think that casual football fans have heard of this man. No. But 
let me just tell you, this is the same guy that coached Boise State all those years when they won all those big games. He knows how to win the big game. And not only has he proven that he can win the big game with a team like Boise State, he's proven it in Washington. This team is ready to take the next step. They made the playoff two years ago. Yeah, and, and that was a really good team. I yeah. think this team is a better team than that Washington exactly. team. Exactly. With, with, yeah. My bad. With the more no, favorable I, schedule. I, I took a look at the schedule. Key, yeah. I, I printed out the schedule because Washington State, they play, is, is, they play on the road. Washington State lost Luke Falk. I'm passing him off. Jim Moore's gone at UCLA, who they play on the road. Uh, Josh Rosen's gone there. Passing that off. They play USC. No Darnold. Passing him off. Maybe a tough game at Houston, but I still think they – I still think they uh, – you know what? I just gave you the schedule for Arizona. That is so wrong. That's all right. It's all right. It is what it is. But that is a – they have a very easy schedule. Yeah, except that Stanford game. um, And I would say that uh, that first game against Auburn I think is going to be a playoff elimination game. That's going to dictate how their season goes. Oh, uh, Washington has to win that game. So, So let me make this clear. I am very high on Washington. They got Jake Browning coming uh, back as uh, uh, quarterback. Miles Gaskin made the decision to come back at running back. Um, Chris Peterson always has them ranked uh, as the number one scoring defense in the Pac-12. Yes. That's not going to change, but they have to win that first game against Auburn, and I think they will. Okay, I that's what I was leading. I was hoping yeah. you were leading up to that because I yeah. wanted to see if you thought they were going to win that game. It's going to be one of the games of the year. It's 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 literally the first weekend. Um, I know that a lot of people haven't looked at the schedule yet, but that's going to be one of the games of the year, and um, that's going to be one that where Washington shows that they're here. Yeah, I think this is going to be another one of those Chris Peterson teams where mm-hmm. that secondary, that defense is balling. Yeah. They're going to be flying to the football. Let me tell you, I'm really happy that, that they're playing in SEC power because that's going to tell me that they're ready to take down those teams in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and, and, and believe me, if they squeak with not a four, because I think, to be honest, I just think that if they get that fourth spot, they're just doomed just because of the, the, the powers of who, if a Clemson finishes I think first they have or to something. Get a if they have to get a three, they can make some noise. But if Peterson gets an opportunity to play in another playoff, Browning gets another opportunity to play in another playoff, I think that it'll be a different story this year, and they will find themselves in the national championship. I completely agree with you. I uh, I I have them as as a huge dark horse, and I like that you brought up. Uh, how about their game against Alabama when they were in the playoff? They lost that game twenty four to seven, but it was a great learning moment for them. Yes, they proved that, that that they could compete in a game like that, and they've still got the same quarterback. Yeah, a, a seasoned veteran. So, question. Yeah. I, we, we we talked about we talked about coaches who strive for perfection, and we did today. Yeah. Do you think? Peterson will go because he's a coach who strives for perfection. Yes. Although he he, he took the, the L in, in that, that playoff, mm-hmm. do you think he will go down as one of the greatest coaches? Of all time? Maybe of his conference. All time's a, a pretty big pedestal. In the, the Pac 12? Yes. I think that Chris Peterson is just getting started. I did too. At Washington. I, people love to play for him. He's a great coach. Somehow, I don't understand how his name has gotten lost in the shuffle. I feel like the only team we talk about in the Pac-12 is USC, and they can't seem to keep a coach. Yeah. And then you got uh, teams like uh, Shaw at Stanford and uh, Peterson at Washington who are locking down the Pac-12 North as one of the two biggest powers in the country. And, and they're doing it They're doing it with the next man up mentality because yeah. you, I mean, you even look at Bryce Love who was – everyone was so afraid because he was Christian McCaffrey's replacement and – Look at the man. Could have definitely been a Heisman Trophy winner. He's my Heisman favorite. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's, he's absolutely up there. Um, I think that he's going to struggle with uh, West Coast bias. I, I don't think a lot of the writers are going to see that Pac-12 after dark. Uh, Pac-12 after dark. That's what we like to say. Yeah, man. Um, but I, uh, I just wanted to go uh, real quick here for my number four. I'm sticking with Michigan State as the winner of the Big Ten. And I don't see a scenario where the Big Ten gets locked out of the playoff two years in a row. Now, I think that Ohio State is going to come back really strong this year. I think that having uh, a pocket passer like Dwayne Haskins is going to open up our running game uh, for guys like J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber to have a huge season. I think that maybe this is weird to say, but I think Ohio State is going to surprise a lot of people this year because we haven't had a big passing attack. Yeah, this like will be fun to, to watch. This year. Uh, and we're returning all of our receivers. Yeah. We have not lost one receiver to eligibility. Well, Miles, you, you have to go ahead and, and take a step back for us 
non-Ohio State fans mm. because you have to remember that we have no idea who your receivers are right? Well, because no one was throwing them the ball. Don't use that as your point for us who don't know because right. I can, I mean, I watch a lot of football yeah. and I'm like, I'm struggling. I'm uh, like, who are the receivers? Just be prepared to start hearing names like Benjamin Victor. Okay. Uh, we're going to be using H-backs like K.J. Hill, Paris Campbell, uh, Terry McLaurin's going to have a big year. I know this is a lot of names, but... Um, we're still going to rely on our running game. That's what we do at Ohio State. We're going to come back and listen. Uh, <laughs> listen to this episode when the season's going on. I'm like, what were those names he said again? I like, grab my pen and paper, like, write them down. <laughs> but having that said, I want to go back to Michigan State and the success that uh, Mark D'Antonio has had against Urban Meyer. I think that this division is going to come down to Michigan That's State. That's a home game for them State. as well, too, uh, right? Yeah, it's a home game for them. We want to talk yeah. about uh, re- returning, uh, I believe it's 9 out of 11 starters yes. from the top five defense. That defense is going to be... Sick again. Yeah, we've talked about Brian Lewerke at quarterback. Yep. He's a real deal with running ability, which Michigan State hasn't had. And they've also got L.J. Scott coming back. Yeah. So this Michigan State team and uh, a pretty favorable schedule uh, as far as favor- favorable schedules can go in the East. Yes. Because uh, everyone has to play each other there. Because and um, if as long as we're talking about the East, don't forget about Michigan. If Shea Patterson comes back with eligibility, watch out for Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan yeah. Wolverines this year. You know, I was doing some research in <laughs> – I cannot tell you how many articles I read that had Michigan as that four five that four uh, borderline four position, and I was like, everyone must have just wrote this just because of Shea Patterson. Right, exactly. I I think he can make that much of a difference. In, I mean, it, it's Gary's it's Gary's last year. Uh, normally, when you see defensive, not last year, but last year that he has to be uh, before you go to the draft. Normally, you see yeah. defensive players like that step up because they're ready to step out, and right. I'm I'm afraid of that too. So let's go ahead and play out our brackets. Okay. All right, so... Wait, wait, I don't think we made this clear. We have yeah. Clemson in as one of our spots. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know what? Real quick, actually, because we haven't even talked about that. Yes. Let's go ahead and talk, because I have Alabama number one. Okay, I you? have Clemson at number one. Oh, okay. So let's go ahead and talk about Clemson overall, all right? Kelly Bryant can't win the big game, all right? He's got this five-star stud coming in uh, behind him, Trevor Lawrence. I think this is going to be another Georgia-like situation where I feel like Kelly Bryant could... I know that, that I, I think you disagree here, but I, I think that Kelly Bryant is going to be pushed for that spot just because we have a situation where I don't see him winning the big game. He can win games in the ACC, but I think that uh, the game against Florida State is going to tell us a lot. Yes, that, I, I, no one's giving Florida State credit. Florida State's going to be a lot better team this yeah. year. I, I don't care whatever they got going on with Francois getting arrested for drugs, whatever. Screw that. Just throw that out the window because I still right. think that Blackman is, is comparable. Yeah. He's no, no Francois. But, you know... My whole thing about them being number one wasn't really about Bryant. Bryant did enough. He lost to Alabama. He did. Lost to Syracuse. That Everyone stumbles. These guys are going to have the scariest, scariest offensive line. Also, Bryant, Wilkinson, uh, Wilkins, and Farrell. What did I say? Oh, my. Yeah, screw the O-line. I mean, the O-line's going to be good, too. But, yeah, yeah no, I, I, I'm I, glad that, that you brought up these guys on the defensive line because yeah. we're, we're looking at four future first-round NFL You guys. know, these guys are going to – it's it's safe to say that these guys could easily – all three go in the top ten. Yeah, and they will control every single game they play this year. I don't think that anybody even realizes that the offense isn't going to have to do too much because yep. that front seven is going to control everything in the trenches, and it's so difficult to win football games, especially in college football when you're already outmatched uh, talent-wise, to even stay in a game where you can't move anything against the defensive line. Yes. Um, and let's not go ahead and say the pressure's let's – not, let's not forget that the pressure's going to be off of Kelly Bryant because ETN's coming back. And I, I think he's a great, uh, great, great running Hunter back. Hunter coming back too. Yeah. It's, they have, they're set up for success. Um, Dabble's out there doing a great job getting his players in position to win, getting the players that he needs to yeah. be in position to win. I don't know how – on earth, he convinced those players to come back. I don't either. It's, it's got to be for the national championship. And I think that as far as Dabo Sweeney, I think that this uh, dominant run that he has at Clemson is not over. And I, I even saw the possibility of that, that we may see Alabama-Clemson part four. Yeah, I, mean, this, I, I, I This is getting ridiculous. I really that, do think that could happen. Yeah, that these two teams are, are, are coming out of points. Okay, so, so we both had Alabama winning the SEC. Let's go ahead and play out the bracket. Okay, so at number one, I have to write this down because, you know, I got so much going on in my head. Number one, I got Alabama. Yeah. I mean, uh, Clemson. Right. You have Alabama, right? Uh, right? I have Bama number one. Okay, so that doesn't matter. So num- so it'd be Clemson or Alabama versus I have Washington. I have Michigan State, so let's go ahead and do these games separately. Okay, so you want me to do mine first? Yes. I have Clemson beating Washington. Okay. 
Uh, I have Alabama beating Michigan State. This would actually be a rematch. Keeping in mind, by the way, this is this is another point that I wanted to make that I actually realized I had not brought uh, brought up before, uh, or at least. I don't think so. Michigan State has made it to the playoff before. Yeah. So I don't know if anybody has forgotten this. Um, but I think a lot of people is, forgot it too because yeah. it's Alabama handed it. Well, to them. oh my god. I mean, it, they, they they didn't even show up for that game. So yeah. this would be great to see this as a rematch. I think it's just a much better Michigan. So that, that, and that's the thing. It's a better Michigan State team than we oh. saw that year. Just like the same thing with Washington. This is a better Washington team than we saw in the playoff that year. So a lot of exciting um, uh, futures for these teams this year to get possibly a rematch, but. I've got Bama winning that game. Yeah, um, so let's go to my game. I have Alabama versus um, who did I say was my number three? Georgia. Georgia. Wow. So, so you got Bama. Georgia. Okay. So in in this scenario, do they play in the SEC title game and then again in the playoff? Unfortunately, right? yeah. I mean, they would, it would have to be no, that it's, way. And it's gonna. It, it, and I don't think that the committee would have any issue doing that because we had such a great national championship. I think the reason I think this is gonna happen, um, why I slated it this way. The, the, the committee's going to do everything in their power where it's not Alabama versus Georgia again in the championship because they're going to play in the SEC championship. You don't want to play in the national championship again, or, or everyone's going to talk about the committee is biased. Right. So now just get the first game out of the way. Miles, we're going to see – we're listening to – we're seeing defensive linemen from Alabama that no one is really familiar with. Like Even like um, Raekwon. That man's massive. You, you look at – Oh, I, I, look at uh, LeBron, LeBron Ray. He's his backup. Casual fans don't know who these guys are. One guy is like six seven, the other guy's six six, and they both can eat you eat you whole in one sitting. That's why I'm saying these they they're refilling these positions yeah. with beasts. And I have Alabama winning that. So who 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 that pit in the national championship game? I'm smiling already. Clemson, Alabama <laughs> again. Again. And it wouldn't surprise me in the least if that happened. I've got uh, Clemson playing Washington, and I've got Washington uh, beating Clemson because I just think their offense is going to be so much better. So you've got Bama and Clemson in the title game. I've got Bama and Washington in the title game. Okay. I, you know, the hardest thing to do is to win back-to-back championships. Agreed. Saban, you know, Saban's probably one of the most intelligent men you've ever seen. Saban is tied for the amount of championships with Bear Bryant at the exact same Bear Bryant, exact same age Bear Bryant won his last championship. That is in Saban's mind, and Saban is going to break that and go back-to-back and beat Clemson in the national championship because he does not want to be known as one of the best coaches ever. He wants to be known as the best coach ever. And is that with Tua or Jalen? Uh, Miles, you know, I, I don't want to answer that question. I don't think it matters. I'm heartbroken, but it's with Tua. All right, I've got Bama in Washington in, in the title game, and like you said, it's extremely difficult to win the college football national title in back-to-back years. And I think that this is going to be a year where a lot of people are surprised by this Washington team. I've got Washington winning the national championship. Oh, man, I just whoo, took a step back. Got the Pac-12 team that no one even knows know. about winning the national championship. I've, uh, I've thought, I thought a lot about this, and I've made my share of bold predictions here, and I'll, I'll probably make a few more before that was Man, you went up. so bold. I'm going to start checking what you're eating. There's some in your diet that you need to get out because I think you lost your mind if, if Washington was not champion. Listen, you picked the team to win the national championship who might not even make it to the playoff. Right, but Bama also might not make it to the playoff. Let's be real here. But but let's do probability. Let's play a probability game. Uh, okay, Bama's yeah, been, been to every single game. playoff. I'm going to put my money that Bama's going to make the playoff. Sure. Washington's made it to one. <laughs> okay. It's not like they haven't made it to any. I'm just giving you a hard time, man. I think it's just funny to hear, like, you, you have the teams like Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan State, Clemson, Alabama, and you picked Washington. Not saying it's not deserved. Don't. Absolutely. Don't. You take them. You heard it here first. I can see it happening with the, with the senior leadership. Jake Browning, and it's well, and, and and Gaskin as well. It's just something that these other teams don't have. Um, yeah, that, that that I'm looking at. I'm, I'm looking at stability this year, and I'm also looking at strength of schedule. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, Villanova. Not saying like uh, the skill sets. I'm no, just saying that I, I they have those seniors going. on there. Yeah. When 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 adversity strikes, a uh, senior is more more inept to more more. He's he's more likely to adapt to that situation. Mm-hmm. Where like you might have a Tua. Who struggles because he hasn't faced adversity yet? He hasn't had to. 
He, you could, no one in this world, no one in this entire world could say Tua faced adversity by coming into the national championship and winning. Because if Tua lost that game and struggled, no one would have cared because we were getting whipped. And now that you brought that up, I just want to talk about that for a second, all right? Because this is a point I completely forgot to make, all right? Because I was spelling this out to somebody the, the other day when, when we were talking about the Alabama quarterback battle. Yeah. When Nick Saban made this decision to bring in Tua, we can't forget that this easily could have gone the other way. Yes. This was a 50-50 shot. Do you, do you think the Saban, he, he did not know. He was not 100% sure the two was going to come in, throw three touchdowns. You know, throw a 36-yard bomb to win a walk-off in, in overtime. That that was not guaranteed. This easily could have gone the other way. We, we, we could have seen Tua come in and throw three interceptions I just in see Nick half. Saban sitting back talking to the other coaches like, you know what? Screw it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Screw it. Yeah, because he had he had nothing else left. This is also what I said, by the way, when I was watching that game. Kirby Smart was out coaching him. He was out scheming him, out coaching yes. him. His players were out hustling him. He had to make a decision and he had to make a change. But let's not forget that he easily could have gone the other way. I even forgot how he got on this, but this is this is just a passionate point for me. Yeah, we we can't forget. And then Tua takes Tua blows up. Right, he sucks. Sure. There's no QB controversy. And then what are we talking about? Now we, th this whole episode is totally shifted. We might talk about who's going to get more carries between Najee and Damien. <laughs> exactly. And and why? Because Tua it just had that one bad half. I mean, it, that was his tryout for Alabama football. Yeah, and he, he succeeded with no pressure whatsoever. He had nothing to lose. Uh, so that's I mean, all. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, we're pretty much now, saying. Now he's going to be playing with everything to lose. But uh, anyway. I could talk about this for hours, but let's go ahead and go into our final segment here because we got a couple more things to talk about. Let's talk about surprises. The surprise team of college football. Oh my God, Miles! I just took a peek at your list well, hold on, by accident, so hopefully you have a backup, this or I can go back. No, no, no. This is misleading. Okay. Because I, I just have a couple. I just had so much I wanted to talk about that I just have a couple points I want to make. Okay. All right. I do have a specific team, but I'm going to do a uh, honorable mention first. Honorable okay. mention. Yeah. I want to talk about uh, Arizona. All right, and I know that I think this is going in the right direction here. So all I will say, because this is my honorable mention, I'm going to say that the relationship of Kevin Sumlin and Khalil Tate is going to be magical. I already uh, said that I would put my smart money on Khalil Tate to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, you said it. I did some digging on Kevin Sumlin and forgot these guys that he's developed. Case Keenum was one of them, by the way. Yep. Case freaking Keenum uh, and Johnny Football. Yep. I mean. He's been here before. He's got a perfect situation in this Arizona team uh, who has, has a lot of young talent and Tate at quarterback. I'm going to let you take the reins now. You have an honorable mention, and I'm going to I'm gonna touch on my, my surprise, but I want to do my honorable mention because you gave them no love. You are taking a team, a team that has a new head coach, but a great quarterback who threw 33 touchdowns in the months of October and November in and Drew Locke. I have Missouri as my surprise team. Oh, okay. I think, not as my surprise team, as my honorable mention. Okay, yeah, yeah, still. I think that this team will shock the heck out of people just solely sitting on the shoulders of Locke. And him, him coming back uh, for, for this season is huge because we know that their offense is going to be there. We know that they're going to be able to keep up with, with anybody on the scoreboard. He, I know he he's a, he's a gunslinger. He throws a lot of interceptions, fourteen to be exact, or thirteen. Yeah. But forty-four touchdowns, forty-four freaking touchdowns. He's only getting started, and him throwing those thirty-three touchdowns at the later part of the season, and that shows you that he's only getting started. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's go ahead with the. Uh, I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so so excited. I was so excited that I started reading off Arizona's schedule prematurely because. Arizona, shout out to my boy Will Russo because he's probably so happy about this. Yeah. Arizona's going to be a surprise everyone. A lot to be excited about. Okay. I already said it once. And I'm going to say it again. Chip Kelly is going to take a couple years to get these players used to running that, that, that speed spread BS that he runs. No Josh Rosen there either. Washington, Washington State loses Luke Folk, who they happen to play at Washington State. I think that Khalil Tate and Kevin Sumlin, like you said, is a match made in heaven. Khalil Tate takes him over. Sam Darnold leaving USC. We don't know who's back, but they also lost their running back. So they're, they're going to have a new look offense, right? Oh, my God. From October 7th to November 11th, I, when I saw this stat, 
of showing I'm all about the confidence growth in Khalil Tate. From October 7th to November 11th, he rushed for 1,207 yards. I think in, in that span, he was averaging 10 yards a carry. Insane. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a special kid, and under the leadership and coaching of Kevin Sumlin, it's going to be a match made in heaven. Not to mention, we already meant, uh, we already said this, the Pac-12 South is a mess. Yeah. That division is completely a good match. And Arizona can easily represent that, that side of the conference in the championship game. You know, um, what a lot of players are, what a lot of people don't realize because they don't watch a lot of Arizona football is, is you know, they go out there and they score a lot of points, but they don't play any defense. Someone coming in is going to help them strip their defense a little bit. Having Khalil Tate go out there, run wild, let let Khalil Tate put out an RG three esque season. Just let him do it. Yeah. Let him. That's let exactly go of, what I see him doing. Yeah. Let go of the reins. Yeah. Let him go out there. I ate what he had thirty six total touchdowns last season. Uh, put him up for a forty four touchdown season. I think it's totally doable. So for my surprise team, I'm going to move to the Big Ten West because my. I do have a specific team, but my first surprise is that Wisconsin is not going to represent not a chance. the West. Listen to these road games that Wisconsin has to go through. These are their five road games in the Big Ten. At Iowa, at Michigan, at Northwestern, at Penn State, and at Purdue. Three of those teams won ten games last year. And then the other two, at Iowa, one of the toughest places to play in the conference, yep. and at Purdue, my surprise team this year in college football. Purdue has been waiting to make a comeback as one of the premier programs. Let's yeah. not forget that Purdue was a top 10 program for years. Years. Keep going. I, yeah, yeah. I, I want to keep hearing this yeah, thought. Right, right. Um, so for me, the biggest indicator for where Purdue is at as a program right now under Jeff Brom, who's been doing a phenomenal job, was the Foster Farms Bowl last year against none other oh my God. than Arizona. You had to do it. Purdue and Arizona played quietly, by the way, quietly, one of the best yes. college football games of the year. That no one watched. That nobody watched last year with both of these programs that are getting ready to take that next step. And Purdue wins that game 38-35. to 35. The funny Under thing is I took Purdue in that game. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And, and like, yeah. it wasn't the smartest thing, but it, it won. Under the leadership of their uh, quarterback, who they got back from injury, Elijah Sindelar, remember that name. In that game, he was 33 of 53 for 396 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. Also, Purdue uh, showed me in that game that they could win a big game. Big game. And that they could win a big game against a solid opponent. So that was my biggest indicator. My other bold prediction is that Wisconsin and Purdue will decide the Western Division on November 17th. I think that Purdue is going to be a really tough out this year. Woo! So, okay. Putting you on the spot here. So you're saying Purdue's going to win the West, right? Yes. How many losses? Uh, I will go ahead and Sorry, say, super on the spot. My bad. Well, no. Let's, let, me, let me dial back here for a okay. second because I've had a lot of, I've had a lot, a lot of bold predictions here. I'm just going to say that Wisconsin is not going to win the West. Okay. I'm not going to come out and say that Purdue's going to win it because also I think that even though Scott Frost and Nebraska could be a couple years away, they could – be another team that easily surprises to win the division. And let's not forget Iowa. Oh my God. Iowa won this division yeah. three years ago. So let me just step back and say that... Iowa's losing a lot on defense, though. It'll be a little bit different piece. Right, but but, but as far as Ferentz goes, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he just works with the same exact system every single year. Yeah. And sometimes it just comes together like it did uh, that year that they played Michigan State. But I'm just saying that Wisconsin is not going to be representing this side uh, of the Big Ten. It, the schedule's just too tough. Teams. Yeah, the it's schedule's far too tough. I like it, and um, you know, with anything, these are these are bold predictions. Our surprise teams are bold predictions yeah, because easily, easily Arizona could be a five hundred team. Easily Purdue. Could, oh yeah. I don't think I actually Purdue to be, could definitely be a five. I think Purdue is a little bit further ahead when it comes to how realistic their our bold prediction is. Yours is a little more realistic than my my Arizona. Be just be just because of I think they're a little bit more ahead when it comes to coaching. They don't have a new coach. A little bit better program right now. With that being said, Miles. I'm so glad that you came to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Me too. I want to thank everybody at Thomas Ripshack for letting us come here and crash the party and yes. do our podcast here. Um, if any of you guys want to follow us, we are at Best the House on everything. Um, last live show, we gave a birthday shout out to Connor. So I have to give a birthday shout out to my home dog, Jess. It's her birthday today, so happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I hope you are, are killing it watching our show. Hopefully, if not, you know, you got some That's things right. to do. But um, guys, thank you so much for tuning in on Facebook. 
um, be sure to shoot us a line. Let us know in the comments anything you want us to know, any questions you want to ask. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Best of the House. We still have a Amazon gift card giveaway going on, so find the pinned tweet, retweet, comment what's your favorite your favorite team, and follow us. Um, find us on iTunes and Stitcher at Best of the House at Welcome to the House. Miles, is there anything you want to tell anybody on Facebook before we uh, depart today? Um, you know, I am still a believer in the Buckeyes. I know I have Michigan State winning the conference, but let's go Ohio State. Wait, wait, wait. I have to say this. I'm so sorry. This is totally off topic. Sure. But if I'm a coach yeah. and is my first day coaching this spring game, like I don't know any history, and I just put players, I number them one through how many players are on the team. Okay. And I, Jalen is going to be quarterback number one, and, and, and Max going to be quarterback number two. Jalen is going to be on the bench so fast where I can't even blink. He got outperformed. And I don't care if you're playing against a number one defense or number two defense. This quarterback coming in here, pretending that this game doesn't matter. It's the culmination of the spring. There's going to be six weeks between today and the next time that they get together where he gets to go and try to right his wrongs in this spring game. He's going to lose the locker room. He, they're not going to have faith in his production. That's all I have to say with that. Sorry. I'm going to leave it on that because I think that uh, that's pretty astute. I think that they've got some issues, and I think that Jalen's uh, on his way out. Of it's, it's terrible. Well, thank you guys so much. Have a great one. Uh, be sure to share this.